which is huge. I mean, it's like a man. It, it's big. Kane, son. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study. Not to bring back. But to wipe them out. That's the plan. You have my word on it. All right, I'm in. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-hosts... Patrick Green. Christian Motzka. Andy Geek Girl. Maj. Xander waiting in the wings. Hi, Xander. Uh, we're going to be joined in a little bit by Perry, who's running a little bit late. Uh, it's nice to be back on the show with everyone here doing a round table, our first round table since the new uh, 2023. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. How are you guys doing? Doing great. We got some patrons got any shout outs. These patrons got to get shouted out before, you know, Let's do this it. Is opportunity. Before they, so I'm going to shout you, know, you. Knock, the house down. knock the house down before they knock the house down because they do that. Uh, let's go, let's go back to January. Uh, we have Holden Wilhoit, Benjamin O'Mara, Michael, and Ryan Weathers, who just joined two days ago. Uh, welcome Ryan. And a special shout out once again to Eustacio Palomares, who got knocked off the website for some reason, but has since been reinstated and a quick exhortation that if you look at our, the, you know, on the site where we have everybody's names, which is actually on the shoulder of Orion website, and you don't see yours there, but you are a patron, please send us a message because sometimes the back end of this stuff gets messed up and people get kicked from it. And we don't want that to happen because you're very special. So thank you. So we are here today to discuss part six. I'm kidding. Uh, part two of our imagined futures. And this episode, we're going to be covering essentially if alien three didn't exist, what would exist in its stead? And there are many different, uh, things that we could discuss in terms of scripts that were written, different avenues that they were going down. But we're also going to talk about our own ideas and what we think might work. Um, and of course, when Alien 3 premiered and, you know, a lot of people didn't like it, a lot of people, a lot of those same people were hoping that it was a dream, some type of dream sequence so that they could like bring Hicks and Newt back. So whatever the case, it's going to be an interesting discussion and one I've been looking forward to for a while. I think we should start with the obvious, which is that of all of the alien material we have to talk about, we have the most alternate realities for what Alien 3 could have looked like. As we were discussing before we started recording, there were at least 10 separate writers attached to Alien 3 at any given point in time. Not even, you know, not formally attached, but having written script treatments for it. We know many of them. We've discussed many of them at length on the show. Everybody from William Gibson to Eric Red to, uh, you know, many, many other drafts. Uh, and if you want to hear more about that, you can go back to our episodes. We did a whole series on this, you know, years ago. All of these different places that Alien 3 could have gone. 
where it actually went was so very different from where aliens appeared to be taking us, largely due to Vincent Ward's enormous departures in the script and from killing off characters and things that we've talked about many times. So we're left with this interesting conundrum, which is Aliens was this, you know, gangbusters hit. It was an enormous box office sensation. It was a cultural touch point. It was a universally beloved film that took the template of Alien, which was very much a scary movie, and brought the scary movie into a more populist arena where there was more to help people get through the scares and more people wanted to see it and see it again and see it again. And it was very, very popular. And then Alien 3 kind of turned that on its head and gave us a very different vision that was much more, you know, idiosyncratic and flawed and strange. And as a result of it, Alien history was really uh, changed, I think, forever. So tonight, uh, you know, we're going to have this very different conversation. If Aliens hadn't happened, I think it's safe to say most of what has come since probably would never have happened because Aliens, the success of Aliens really set a blueprint for what a successful alien property can look like. And Fox got money hungry and wanted to chase that, you know, for years to come. But Alien 3 kind of put the brakes on that and gave us this completely different artistic vision that changed things. So yeah, I think tonight's going to be fun to kind of tease that out a little bit and to see where it could have gone. And also, of course, to revisit some of those things in those earlier episodes that we had done and to talk about, you know, what if Ripley did not become the protagonist of the alien franchise? What if Hicks became the protagonist? What if, you know, Bishop had a very different role in films to come? And where would that take us today? And not just in terms of the films, but in terms of the expanded universe, of course, the, you know, realm of video games and things like that, novels. So yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. And of course, about eight or nine years ago, we had a sense of what it could have been like to to take that alternate route when Neil Blomkamp's film, which of course we've talked about in many episodes, literally was saying, okay, what if there's a fork in the road and we can try a different route? And we'll never know entirely what he had planned, but from the art that was released, it really, really looks like in in many ways, he wanted to make more aliens. He wanted to continue with the colonial Marines and the weaponry and that kind of a vibe. And so that's one, one approach, one way that you could go. But personally, what I think is so brilliant about Alien to Aliens and then even Aliens to Alien 3 is that you have that shift, that the focus changes, the mood changes, the you know the aesthetics change to some extent even. And if Blomkamp had made his movie, I'm not sure we would have had that. We might have just had you know, Aliens 2.0. Yeah, going, uh, talking about Blomkamp, I think we've talked about this many times, right? We the, the fandom went off the rails with this film that we're talking about, right? Still one of the most divisive films still talked about. Um, and I look at Blomkans as a, an attempt to course correct in some way, but perhaps a little, you know, too late. The hardcore fans were, I think, and I think we all were at one point really clamoring for it. And I just think times where we were at, the constant will they, won't they, and then getting the prequels, it's just sort of petered out a little bit, right? And I think I'm really looking, I mean, I know this is a different topic, but with the new, the film and the series coming out, I don't know if that's another attempt to course correct or just, hey, or just, it is what it is. We're going with a whole new thing. I look at anything past aliens as, let's try this. 
we gambled with aliens. Let's gamble again. And it never hit the way they wanted it to hit the after aliens, I think. And maybe that um, motivation is a little like dubious. The idea of like course correcting based on, you know, let's just call them market pressures. Like, has that ever been, has that ever worked out? I'm not too sure. So yeah, one wonders, you know, because if the main motivation is like, let's just give the people that piece of candy that they were dying to eat. Once they eat it, uh, what what's next? You know, riffing off of Blomkamp's movie, whatever that was going to be. Then again, obviously we know a little bit, and based off of the, the the artwork that we've seen, I guess my question right now is for everyone: Would we have wanted to see another film where Ripley Newton Hicks make it and say another platoon of Marines join up? Waylon Dutani sends him in or whatever. Would we want to see that again? So I'm asking this because it seems like fandom wants that again and again and again and again and again. What I love about Alien 3, just as an entity, is that, and I think Patrick, you referenced this earlier, it puts a stop to the studio doing the same thing every time they make a movie. And then post-Alien 3, they tried it again. They tried to do what they had done before with Alien Resurrection. And what happened? It flopped. They tried to, they went back on a ship. They had more aliens. They had some Marine type guys there. Wasn't written very well. All the things that we've discussed many, many times. But I, I really don't see another film like James Cameron made again. I, 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 could that be interesting? Could we see Ripley get a, even a, a I mean, I, I, I would imagine like, she gets into another power loader and like this, whatever sequel, it's like theory times the size. She's like a fucking like Jaeger or whatever those things are called. Um, <laughs> but I, I, aside from like cooler tech and maybe different aliens, which is what they always do because they can't help themselves, but to like, Oh, let's come up with a new alien. I don't know if another film in the vein of James Cameron would have been successful, but maybe it would have been. Get away from her again, you bitch. Yeah, right. <laughs> you I, mean, I, I think we have plenty of case studies, <sighs> just the filmography of James Cameron, like we were talking about before we started recording. Like, that's what, you know, he and people, you know, attached to his films have tried to do with Terminator, right? Terminator and Terminator 2 fit together, in my opinion, very much like Alien and Aliens do, in that, you know, you have the first one, which is a much kind of smaller movie that's a little more frightening. And then you have the, a second one that kind of delivers more and makes it more accessible. It, it was a huge success in terms of the box office and in terms, again, like Aliens, in terms of culture, in terms of catchphrases. It made Schwarzenegger into an even bigger star than he already was. It made Linda Hamilton into an icon. John Connor became, you know, the template upon which many 9 to 13-year-old boy, myself included, wanted to become. Like, you know, it was, it was, it was fantasy fulfillment. And so the studio you know, decided, well, we need to do more of that. And it gave us, you know, first Terminator 3, uh, Rise of the Machines, right? Which was, again, just kind of like trying to do the same thing, but without any of the magic because it wasn't really new anymore. And then they tried to continually course correct and just give us more material that by and large fell on deaf ears and deaf audiences, you know, all the way up through, you know, Dark Fate, which was the ultimate example of that, where it brought everybody back and everybody was okay. And it was just this, it just landed with such a thud in terms of audiences. That's not to say that would have happened had Aliens gotten the sequel treatment that it could have gotten. 
there is no reason to believe necessarily that they would have done the same cash cow treatment where they just do this fan wish fulfillment over and over again. But it is possible. And had that happened, I wonder if this podcast, for example, would be here today. Like if this franchise early on had become just this kind of fan service, you know, wish fulfillment treatment where it was just more colonial Marines over and over again. You know, Ripley was in a Pacific Rim sequel. You know, Hicks was completely fine. Newt grew up to be another badass with her own mini power suit, you know, power loader. It would have, I I just, I could see it becoming much less emotionally resonant over time and much more to sort of, you know, entertainment. And we're not really here to talk about like, quote unquote, entertainment. We're here to talk about a lot of the deeper themes that drive these films. Aliens, I think, exists in such a beautiful, special place because it is an example of the Hollywoodification of Alien that wasn't allowed to go too far. So it took it just far enough that it became special. And then we retreated from it. And it just kind of stands there as this gleaming monument of something that is exciting and is somewhat wish wish fulfillment. But that wish is fleeting. And that the reason it's fleeting is because of what happens when Alien 3 starts, which is cruel and which is strange and which is unexpected and extremely atypical for a film produced by a major Hollywood studio, even in the 1990s. We're joined now by uh, Sergeant uh, Apone Parison himself. Uh, Perry, welcome. Hey, what's up, team? Welcome, Perry. Hey. Hi, Perry. Yes. Hey, everybody. Um, good to see you all. Good to see you. Perry is uh, is single parenting at the moment with... Uh, very adorable child and needed some time to get her to bed. I want to also just point out that, and we will kind of table this for now because we're not talking about the alternative scripts yet, but the Gibson script itself is an interesting case study in this because as you all know, there's two two main major drafts of it. There's the first one, which was pre-writer strike, which is very much an aliens sequel. There are tons of aliens in it. There's an actual queen encounter, just like the climax of Aliens. There, it, it feels very Aliens to me. And then the writer strike happens, and then the future of his involvement is kind of thrown into the air, and he comes back with the second draft where there's only three Aliens in it, and it's much tighter and much smaller and much more Alien. So it's almost like even William Gibson, when he was working on this, had a realization at some point that you can only take that Aliens template so far before it starts to kind of have you know lesser returns. And... Um, I think there's something to that. I, I think you're right on where if it just um, where my imagination goes, if I picture aliens being the true jumping off point for the next film and then the next film, and the next film, it would be this sort of diminishing returns over and over again. And I think the Terminator series is actually a really good uh, analog for that. And talk about course correction, like Alien 3 was the course correction to solidify this series as like something more. You know, um, so the big bugaboo, obviously, I, I when I was thinking about it, about what if Alien 3, as we know, it didn't happen. It's clear because Hicks and Newt is such a big deal for so many people. It's something that people can't still let go of to this day. It's clear that that was the biggest expectation people had was to see those characters. So like it, we talk about this on and off mic about expectations talking about it with trailers and going into movies with expectations an expectation to see those characters being upset in such a way that almost felt uh like sadistic and almost like um mean to the audience like uh, that's something yeah people can get over of course but so all i could think about was what do hicks and newt do in 
this next version and there's like and then i start thinking kind of practically about like okay let's say the third movie does land at 1992 uh whatever so carrie hen who i guess had already quit acting by that point so that's a question is she recast um let's say they pulled up the dump truck full of money and her family was like please please do another one so she's like 15 16 now for sigourney weaver to be told you've been in hyper sleep for this long whatever it's like she you know the adults they can pull that off but if if a child is suddenly a teenager it's hard to be like she was in hyper sleep why did why did she age in hyper sleep so i think they would have to move up the story and age her up and and then you know maybe hicks has been uh promoted ripley's been promoted where are we going there's definitely going to probably be more aliens it, it was making me th think of like one other uh thing aside from the scripts that there was like a multitude of the den bouvet um comics the dark horse comics which are probably like one of the most you know beautiful uh series of comics anyone ever made uh visually where they had to rename hicks wilkes and uh newt uh, turn her into billy because they found out she was going to be killed in the movie and all that and also they like aged her up and babified her she was like an extremely hot uh you know like woman at that point it's like some of that does smack of 90s uh hollywood where maybe they'd get like whatever some some young upcoming actress like a sarah michelle geller or something or my uh my uh, nomination if you want to go off that comic is maybe madchen amick from twin peaks you know I, I i you know you could almost see that so it's like i i was getting bogged down in the particulars and like what do you guys think about the the hicks and newt question do you think the only choice for most people would be to to pick up from hypersleep like alien to aliens and like aliens to alien 3 as we have it and they'd have to find another young actress to replace carrie hen i don't Anyone think else? so i know personally so alien and aliens both share the same main character and the same location and i think that's as many times as you can go back to that well as far as the location, you you have Ripley because we've established that she's the hero, but aliens takes Ripley from the role she had in the previous film. You take that away from her and you put her in an awkward new situation where she has to prove herself again. Now, obviously in the alien three that we get, we have that once more. So I think whatever this would be, both Ripley and Hicks would need to have the same thing happen where they're thrust into a new situation. You can't have Hicks be the Marine again. You can't have a new squad of Marines. That's it's been done. It's one of the best things about alien three. And this is coming from someone who loves the colonial Marines is to cut that out, to have the, the pulse rifle come back, but not the Marines, you know, just, there's the hint of we're in that same world. But if you take Hicks, and Ripley and give them a new situation that neither one of them was ready for, but, and so they have to prove themselves. They have to rise to the occasion. That's how I see it going. And it's, so a new location, Newt is a problem. Now I know that Carrie Henn says that uh, James Cameron told her he wanted to make a sequel with all of them in it, but I don't really know what that looks like. And if you're talking about years having gone by because of the, the age of the actor, there's no reason that that time couldn't have passed, that they couldn't have made a home for themselves. You know, Ripley adopts her or whatever it is. And just like she did with Jonesy, 
say, you're staying here. I'm going to go fight this one more time, but you're staying here. Mm -hmm. And that takes Newt out of the equation. She's someone that you're trying to get back to. It's, you know, you don't want to die. You don't want to lose because there's this person who's waiting for you and that's useful. But I just don't see Newt, unless you're really jumping ahead in the timeline, I don't see her being part of the of the action. And I don't think that she should have to be. I don't think that she should, as, as Jamie or Patrick was, say, Patrick was saying this, I don't think there needs to be, Newt grows up to be just like Ripley. That's something that comic books and video games do, but the movies should be above that. to the point of the and i'll get into this newt hicks discussion in a second but uh i feel like there's empirical evidence for the studio trying to do the same thing over and over and over um in, in its own way so we talk about alien 3 essentially being the game changer and the more we talk about the other scripts that were in play before we got alien 3 the more crazy it is that we got alien 3 because most studios, what they do, I mean, we see every studio doing it for the, they find a hit and then they make a sequel and then make another sequel, whether it's Marvel or John Wick, or, I mean, so many IPs just get sequel after sequel and they use that same, that same, I don't know, uh, recipe, my favorite thing, <laughs> um, over and over and over and to some success or not just some success to great success. I mean, look at the fast and furious films. I mean, they're garbage, but they, you know, they sell hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, you know, they're not, they're not like, these are, these are very like popcorn summertime films, but it works. It worked for the studio. So it's shocking to me that Fox at the time when they were Fox and not 20th century studios said, let's go with this really strange, different story where Ripley is, uh, on a prison planet, essentially, even if she would have been on the monk's planet, it still would have essentially been the same thing where this woman is, you know, thrown into a den of men, essentially, and she becomes an alien. So again, the fact that they did not go down the aliens road again, or didn't say, Hey, Cameron, we love what you did. We know that you're busy. Can you write us a, a story at least for an alien sequel? That's shocking to me as well, that they didn't do that. And I know that there were years, years later, Ridley and Cameron were both working on an alien five and Cameron was writing it and Ridley was going to direct it. And then the AVP films were tossed about and they dropped it, which is still, again, as we're talking about this, the, the, the lore of this, IP, I cannot believe you had these Titans in the same room saying, we're going to make an alien film together. And the studio said, ah, oh, we're going to do this other thing and shit all over it. I, I just can't believe it. I cannot believe that. At any rate, it happened. So I moved back into Newt and Hicks. And I think to what you're saying, Christian, it's really true. I think if they were going to do this again with Newton Hicks and Ripley, ostensibly, um, They'd have to do it where it's not this, oh, we're sending you back down to this. Like, they could could not be a repeat. It'd have to be something where what would be more realistic is if Ripley and co. got back 
to wherever gateway, wherever they went. And they're like, you're going into jail. You just, you just, you were just the cause uh, of blowing up our entire site. And this is billions of dollars worth of money. And it's, you know, decades of time. And now we're out this facility because you couldn't control yourself, whatever they would say. So Ripley and, and Hicks go into, you know, jail for a while and newt is carted off so it's again a dispersion of that nuclear family and i think for me that would more realistically work you still have the company sort of um, in play there and ripley has a, a bit of a different goal now she's she's not just ripley alien fighter she's ripley a little bit more of a whistleblower ripley ripley company fighter so then she becomes her character becomes a little bit more layered if that's even possible because she's so amazing as it is. And then you see whatever story that they would write unfold from there, whether it's on a space station and there's an alien threat or whatever. But I love the idea that we're into we get into the politics of what they did for a while before we get into the actual like blood death xenomorph destruction. That's funny you said that, Jamie, because that's that's always where I've seen it going. Everything I read is always either like, no, I'm glad they killed them off. That's the only way Ripley's story can continue. Or they all get married and adopt Jonesy and New and like Bishop's the fun uncle. <laughs> and those are the two that I always see. And I really like the return home where they just come back and they are fucked right that like the company finds another way to screw them over i always imagined burke sending a message back basically sabotaging them mentally before mm -hmm. he could physically sabotage them telling feeding the company lies about what was going on down there once ripley uh confronted him and he knew he had to find a different story. Um, that's where my mind always went. So that when they do get back, they have this whole story that they can't talk their way out of, right? The company finds a way to shut them down. I see it getting very dark in, in a similar vein of Alien 3. Um, and I don't think it necessarily has to, like you said, jump forward, or do another freeze, Newt could be sort of sidelined until, you know, there's always the possibility where she can come back in a later installment if that's where the story leads kind of thing. Um, sort of at the beginning of the Gibson script where she gets sent off to like an in-law, right, or an aunt or something. Um, something along that line where she's not killed you know, there, there's potential for her future storyline, but it doesn't need, necessarily need to be addressed right then. Fox already had a template that they could have followed. The Planet of the Apes movies in the from the late 60s into the 70s, I think there were five of them in a row. And so there's the first one, which of course is the iconic story. But then the second one is almost a remake, but it ends up with that future world, you know, the, the Planet of the Apes being nuked. And that seems like a, a, the most final ending you could possibly have. So in the third one, they retcon it that a couple of the ape scientists take a spaceship somehow back to the past. And now the film series continues for one movie set in the present in the early 70s. And then the next one is this crazy dystopian future where people keep apes as pets and they rise up. And then you have a final movie that is leading to that to the battle 
Battle of the Planet of the Apes or something like that. But that is not a cookie cutter series by any means. That's as weird and idiosyncratic as the Alien films. And somehow it worked, especially with that third one pretty much being an odd couple kind of look at these funny monkeys, you know, trying to act like people. And it completely reversed the the basic idea. So I'm just saying Fox didn't have to ask for a James Cameron film every time. And maybe that even explains why they entertained such wildly different ideas for Alien 3. First of all, I just want to say, and maybe you guys already said this in the beginning, and maybe the people who don't like the idea of this episode aren't listening already by this point, but I would just love for people to know that the whole idea of what if of what we're discussing, because I know some people are upset about the last episode. I just want to say like, this is just like a fun topic, right? For us to like discuss like, what if, what, what would have happened if that, if the movie we got wasn't made and maybe something else was made to kind of go off what Andy was talking about. I don't know. It would have been cool. Maybe if James Cameron would have then done the third movie, like, you know, it probably would have been something actiony, but I, I think it would have been great, at least like including Hicks and Newt and Ripley and like the, the family aspect into that. And how cool would that be if they're like imprisoned when they get back? Like Burke really did screw them over, like still got the last laugh in sort of, and like, you're just battling for these characters in this third and maybe could have been a final film um, as they have to like fight for their innocence or fight for their, their truth to be told. Right. They could have, I mean, there could have been an expansion on just showing us like what the company may or may not have been doing either. Like those years that Ripley was in hypersleep, those 50 some years, were they already extracting eggs or like doing their own experiments or, you know, whatever at some facility. And then that ends up being the same facility they, they go to or get, or that, 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 I don't know where they are keeping them captive. And then you build off a story like that, where there's a, there's an outbreak or something. And then they're like, see, we told you, but the company already kind of knew, but they're like, no, we told you a long time ago. And then everybody dies again. Um, to make it dark, Andy, <laughs> to your point. But no, I'll leave it at this. And again, I, I know we've been talking about the other scripts, right? Uh, and remind me again, I know there's the scripts. The, the one I really loved was the like the wood planet, where it was like kind of like oh, a yeah. church. And I know that's kind of, yeah. yeah, the ward script. I loved that script. Um, and that whole idea around that, it, it I would have loved to have seen some sort of uh maybe something as close as to what that that script was yeah i really loved that vincent ward script Going off a little bit of what you're talking about, Perry, and what others are saying about, you know, the Ripley, Newt, Hicks, nuclear family surviving or not, or being in jail or something, you know, Xander has an interesting point in the chat, which is like, you know, what if they were to turn it into more of an anthology series? That is something that I feel would have served this whole 
thing extremely well, honestly. I think Aliens ends in such a wonderful place that it is not like the conclusion of the species. It's not necessarily like the end of the lore of this creature, but it is a really nice end for those characters that we love by that point. We don't get the big payoff of like seeing them, you know, successfully live full lives. We don't get to, you know, see if if they end up, you know, getting married and adopting Newt or whatever. We, we don't get to see like this, you know, all of these rosy futures, but we're allowed to kind of like fantasize about it somewhat, which is what, you know, audiences did for years after that film came out. So what if we kind of left them there and then took a look at a different story set within the universe at a slightly different time with slightly different people in a slightly different situation. This is something that I don't know why more films don't explore this. Like, you know, everybody wants to turn everything into a franchise. The way to to do that while avoiding the Skywalker syndrome is to just allow other characters to exist. Like these things always get trapped in this idea that there's only like and I think that gets kind of tiring sometimes. I think that's part of why Terminator, for for example, doesn't work great anymore. Is it's like, why are the Connors like involved in every single thing that happens for hundreds of years in this universe? Why is it always the same people? I would have loved to have an anthology treatment done to this. I don't know if I would have loved. I, I want to say, first off, I love the idea, Jamie, that you're positing. I love the idea that they do return, but the company is interfering and the story kind of pivots a little bit. And I love what everybody's riffing on that. Andy, the idea that Burke had tried to sabotage them. Like, I, I love that. I want to I want to say that before I make my next point. I think it's a really cool idea that could work well. But it also bothers me a little bit. And I'm trying to figure out why. And I think it's because I've become so attached to the loss of these beautiful characters in Alien 3 that to not endure that loss changes the nature of Alien as a saga for me. There's something that has become very important to me about the loss of Newton Hicks at the beginning of that third film. And I don't know what that is, but it's something that I can't really like envision the franchise without that happening now. So I guess, you know, a way around that would be this anthology idea that Xander's, you know, bringing up. Like, like what if we just had a different story and, you know, what happened to those characters kind of happened? What are some other thoughts people have about that idea, maybe? John Carpenter tried it. He with made Halloween. A, with Halloween, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, "Let's uh, let's just do something completely different." And then people, I mean, that movie's been reclaimed, and now people love that movie, uh, Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. But I mean, I, I'm, I love it. I would, I, I think that would be super cool if there was some, especially from the time period, if there was some late '80s, early '90s alien movie that was a complete offshoot. Um, that would probably be a super cool artifact, you know. I think Xander is onto something, and I think you're right, Patrick, um, that as we've said many times again, Alien 3, that story keeps Ripley's story honest. I think it is a closure that she needs. However, I do think, uh, well, first of all, you couldn't just end her story with Aliens. There's no fucking way that that movie ends and that's all we heard from Ripley. No way. We just couldn't do it. I'm going to pose this idea that, or presuppose this idea that Alien 3 is a dream. And if that could have worked, if, but then you have the question of, so we just went through that entire film. She just died and now she's woken up in some other place and it's a dream. What the fuck did we do that for? Kind of makes it a little bit unimportant now, um, unless it's written. So when she wakes up, there are some there are things happening to her that are similar that happened in the dream, not that she's on a prison planet or anything like that. Um, 
but some similar things where she is maybe like we discussed before, she is in a holding cell. She is surrounded by men. Like maybe there are some things that were in her dream that are kind of in her real life that she's living right now. Um, but I want to pull back with this. And I think the larger question that we all have is how do you make another one of these films? These are not easy films to make. How do you make an alien film? That's not someone going down to a planet um, and getting, you know, face hugged, butt hugged, ball hugged. Um, <laughs> uh, or how do you, or you're on a spaceship and there's an alien threat. We've seen that. Or what we haven't seen, which we might, um, an alien or, oh no, we have seen aliens on a space station, Sebastopol isolation, all of those big three things we've seen. How do you tell the story again that for it to be interesting? I don't really know. Even the stories that we have worked on together are variations on a theme. And I think the variations have to be really, really good in order for that theme to work. And I, I and again, as we talk about this and conjecture about this, I think about the elephants in the room, alien resurrection, Prometheus, and Alien Covenant. And on their face, these films do the exact same things all the rest of the films have done. So Fox continued chasing aliens over and over and over, and nothing that they were doing was working. The idea that you have, you know, oh, no, oh, look, alien, we need to run from point A to point B. I mean, that's just, I mean, but that's not just an alien thing. That's a story thing. That's something that happens in stories, in adventures, where there's, uh, you know, you have your antagonist, your protagonist, um, the hero's journey. They got to go from point A to point B and all of their journeys along the way. That's kind of how stories are set up. But Alien is not like any other IP. Now, I'm also going to throw this out there. Can you imagine if in episode three, Star Wars, or okay, so let's say Return of the Jedi, or maybe even Empire, George Lucas would have killed off Leia and Han and just left Luke? Can you imagine that? It would never have happened. And of course, it didn't happen until much, much, much later when they were all older. But we had this company, Fox, the studio, say, okay, let's do that. That was probably one of the boldest moves a studio could have ever done in their lives. Taking these huge characters that have become, I mean, as as common as any other, as common as, as Ripley, as beloved as Ripley, and saying, no, they're done. Like, that is... That is, that's some courage right there. I'm not going to use the term balls because balls are weak. Uh, <laughs> but that's some courage as a studio to say, we're not going to do this. And I almost feel like they did it against their better judgment. And in some ways they did. It wasn't against their better judgment. They just couldn't come up with anything as a studio on their own because studios don't know how to make movies. They had to, they know how to hire people to make movies. And oftentimes they don't even do they don't even do that right. Um so it's interesting to have all of these things in play as we kind of rumble towards an idea of what an alien film could be because it is not an easy, easy answer. Not that it should be easy, not that it was going to be easy, but it's not this thing that we can be like, oh yeah, let's do this. We don't know. And But honestly, I don't think, as much as I would love an anthology, you would have to finish Ripley's story first. You just would. She would need an end. Maybe not a death, but some type of end that feels satisfying to us in some ways. And I don't think that we could do that 
we could just stop with her story at the end of Aliens. Sigourney Weaver had become such a star as well. Like the Alien films chart Sigourney Weaver's rise so that when Alien 3 came out, she was the, the highest paid female actor at that time. I think, though, you only get one more Ripley story. And we, we see that play out because there's no reason for resurrection at all. But so if you're going to make this, you either have to go the William Gibson route of put put Ripley out of the picture, but but guarantee her for the sequel. Because that's one thing that we haven't really talked about. The William Gibson script is setting up part four, that it it almost ends on a cliffhanger. There's It ends with the idea, we have to take this fight to the alien homeworld. We have to defeat them entirely. So that's interesting. And Ripley would have come back for, hopefully for that fourth film to finish off her story. So if you only have one Ripley story to tell, then you have to figure out how to how to reach a satisfying finale for her. But at the same time, she has to accomplish something in regards to defeating the alien. And with Alien 3, as we got it, it's a very, very personal thing that she chooses to do. And in the in the lore of only the films, it's incredibly impactful. And in the expanded universe, it's completely in, inconsequential. But we'll see what the what later films and shows do with that. So you only have one story to tell. And you have more characters coming over from the previous film. So there's all this weird baggage. And I think that what Fox did was treated Alien and Aliens like horror movies. Because in horror movies, you're allowed to kill off characters whenever you please. Um, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street films, for example, would bring a character back from previous film just to murder them again. You know, it, there's, there's less respect for the characters if it's just a horror film. And even though these were highly grossing movies, they were still R-rated movies. And I think that maybe that played into the thinking a little bit. The problem with an anthology is it's hard It's hard to not make it feel like a downgrade when you have such a huge star. Why isn't Sigourney Weaver coming back for this one? And that, the Gibson film would have had to have dealt with, it, dealt with that. Like, why don't we have Sigourney? Why don't we have that character of Ripley? Um, think about the, the Born Identity film that was made with Hawkeye instead of Matt Damon, you know, no one ever talks about that film, but people have attempted this thing and it doesn't always work. I'm, I'm going to hit a whole bunch of things really quick. Jamie, uh, the dream sequence thing, I agree with Xander that that really should be the what if alien resurrection didn't happen episode. However, I had this idea when I first heard about Blomkamp, what if alien three and alien resurrection were dreams, but not just in her imagination, but the company has control of her and they're trying to get information out of her. And so this is like, she's, she's got, you know, probes on her head and they're, they're feeding her drugs and all this stuff. And when she gets out of it, she discovers the actors from alien three and alien resurrection that are really good are also people that are being experimented on. And so we get this amazing, you know, uh, expendable style thing where it's the best characters from Alien 3 and the best characters from Alien Resurrection get to work together to defeat the uh, the corporation. And there again, it's your final Ripley story. You only get one more. So how are you going to do it? That's kind of Wizard of Oz. I like that. It's like, and you were there and you were there. <laughs> it is very Wizard of Oz. That's a very cool idea, Wizard of Oz and all. 
it could have maybe been cool for Ripley. Like in a way, I know Xander's sort of saying like uh, he didn't think Sigourney would come back unless she dies or being some sort of like a martyr uh, in the end. Um, and that she had possibly talked about that in some interviews when she was being interviewed for Alien 3. So like how cool would it have been and on a more maybe happier note is that maybe there it is inferred that like the you know maybe they do have to band together to like there is a facility with eggs that Wayland yutani has been experimenting on or they've been keeping and growing but that's as far as we know facts that are maybe told to us in the film that that's it like that's all that's left over after the lv426 explosion like that that's all that the company has left and that's why it's so coveted and then she bands together with everybody and like has to blow the ship up but she has to be on it that's the only way they can do it but then it wipes everything out and she like saves humanity you know in in that sense instead of what we got patrick to your point in alien or sorry in alien three sitting and living in that loss is very just humanistic right and genuine to the reality in which we live as humans and and what we get to see in this sci-fi version allows us to i don't know i guess appreciate the horror of that as as much as no one likes loss of, of close loved ones right at all but um what that film gives us is uh, a different sense of family and and how Sigourney was still able to find a way to come back and give her all to to help these people even though they might not be the greatest people in on that planet with her but she's doing something for like the greater good of the universe right and that's what she believes in and that's what she knows is right and so maybe getting a happier version of that in in this idea christian that that what you're what you're sort of talking about so um i thought or that would be cool too you know and where she dies in more of this glorified martyr way instead of this like really shitty and sad ending that we get in alien three but it's so it's so good because it's just like so real and ripley's like this is the this is all i can do this is like that this is all i have left like i i need to do this or or the company is going to is going to ruin it they're going to destroy destroy the world destroy the universe you know and it and it was horrifying but we got something beautiful out of it and so it could be this other beautiful thing i there's so many different things that i thought of as you guys were all talking and there's like eight different things i want to say um so picking back off what Jamie said about how do you tell the story, right? Like what major themes? I, I think the theme has to come first, right? And then you build the action, the story around that. So, you know, looking back at the first one, right? Body horror, you know, literal rape, the, the thing that terrifies most people, right? Second one, PTSD, trauma, recovery from that trauma, having a sense of purpose, a sense of recovering a sense of hope, and then just going back again to utter loss, hopelessness. How do you even respond to that, right? Um, 
I think that's where a good story is. I think we all agree the first three are great stories, whether we like every aspect of them or not. So anything after has to have some sort of purpose overall with their characters. Now, if we're talking anthology, while some people like it, I think the issue, like you said, was, well, why isn't Sigourney in it? Or why do I, I have nothing tethering me to, you know, except for the alien, there's no character tethering me. So I kind of like the idea of, um, you know, like what Gibson's script was sort of doing, which was, we're going to temporarily sideline Ripley. Maybe not it. Maybe not for the third one. Maybe finish the story. But each story builds off of a character. You introduce new characters, and then the story shifts to that other character that you were introduced, so that you can continue different characters, but have them tethered to the previous film. Do you know what I mean? Instead, so like Star Wars, right? The next. Like the new trilogy that came, you know, like the sequels, you are tethered to the the Skywalker lore, but they're it's not really their story. And then the next one, you feed off of another character introduced, so that there's always that sort of link to the past while not being completely a new entity. I think something like that could work, maybe as like a series. But I do think you need that grounding of a character because then people are just going to, they're not going to stay with it. I, I don't think. It's interesting as we approach this topic and I, I think about, so we're sitting here kind of debating creatively these decisions to keep these characters or to move on from these characters like Ripley, like Hicks, like Newt. But there's a whole nother equation to this, which is these studios keep these characters alive because they've built in audiences. It's money. It's money. That's why you have four John Wick films and probably a fifth coming out. That's why you have a spinoff called Ballerina with Anna de Armas. That's why you have, you know, what's the Fast and Furious spinoff called with Dwayne Johnson? I don't even know what that shit was called. Um, doesn't matter. Starsky like Star Star and Hutch, but now Starsky and family. It's, yeah, it's Hobbs called family. Hobbs. Hobbs and Shaw. Calvin and Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, but this continues to so uh, the elephant in the room is that Sigourney Weaver might have said she wanted to die in Alien 3 and they gave her that choice and she died and they paid her more money and they paid her more money to shave her head uh, based off you want to uh, if it's true what they wrote in reports but what did Sigourney Weaver do she came back but more than that what did Sigourney Weaver what did the studio want the studio wanted a Ripley film that's what they wanted. Do you know why they wanted a Ripley film? Because Ripley films make money. However, good Ripley films make money. You know, we don't need to go into why Alien Resurrection didn't work and the very little that Sigourney Weaver had to do. But these characters, yeah, they're, they're commerce. It's capitalism. These characters make money for these studios. So that's why they try the same thing over and over and over. That's why we have three films, ostensibly four, where you have... Oh, look, Beacon, let's go down to the planet. Oh, look, Beacon, someone's telling us to go to this planet. Let's go down. Oh, look, derelict. Oh, look, derelict. Oh, look, derelict. I mean, the same thing over and over and over because these studios are fucking terrified. Just recently, uh, Bob Iger said, 
um, and to share a, in a shareholder meeting um, because things have been rocky for Disney the past year or so and shareholders are, you know, notoriously nervous. And when shareholders get nervous, the stock gets nervous. It's just how it goes. But Bob Iger says to the shareholders, oh, we're going to pivot back to sequels and IPs and all the shareholders clapped and the stock went up and, but that's still the wrong thing um, because their IPs aren't making them as much money. But what's also interesting about them, and I'm, I'm using this to relate is for instance, Marvel, all of the, you know, Captain, you know, Captain America, uh, Iron Man, all of the big ones that were the draw are gone. What's happening? Not as many people are, it's not as gripping. People aren't going back to the cinema the way they used to. I think there's some fatigue happening, but there's also people are are really missing these characters. And it makes sense. So if they're missing the character, let's bring it back. But then, and I, I love that we're so we, we're such a complicated fan base because we've had that discussion as a fan base. We had a year-long discussion thinking it was going to happen. What is it, what does it mean to bring Ripley back? And here we have Sigourney Weaver again saying, no. I think there's more to do for Ripley. Let's bring her back. So then Fox was like, yes, let's bring her back. Neil Blomkamp, write the script. Here we go. So I don't really put too much stock in what these stars say about what they will or will not do. Uh, Harrison Ford, most famously, told George Lucas he wanted to kill off um, Han Solo. What happened? They didn't. What happened? Han Solo came back again and again. And even it's in the true. third he, one, he was split. quoted as saying, I'm not going to be on solo ever again. Yeah, he, he was quoted as saying, cha-ching, honestly. So I, I think that these conversations, they can happen in a creative space, but where they're really happening is in financial spaces. What's going to draw, what's going to bring money. And I think what as we approach Romulus and the Hawley series, when... And again, I, there's been a lots of different uh, opinions on the Holly series. If people just, people don't know what he's going to do. What are you going to do without Ripley? What are you going to do if it's not set in the timeline? I don't know about this show. I don't know if I feel good about this show. But part of it is there's no certainty in this. There's no one that we know. There's no one that we care for. The only thing that we really care for is the name Alien and some of the things that Holly has been saying. So this is a big, huge risk for the studio and for the showrunner and everyone involved, of course. So I think as we approach this topic about what if, I think that this what if is is packed with so many more variables than just what if it was a different story. Do you guys think if Blomkamp's film was made, it would have been financially successful? Do you think there's a big enough fan base to make that? I think there's a big enough fan base, but I think the problem is the filmmaker. I, I think he's proven that most of his projects have not turned out the way that they were, you know, uh, thought to. And the a big issue with that is like, what if you take back these sacred cows and you put them on the screen again and you have Sigourney Weaver and you have a queen and you have all of this iconography that people are desperately clamoring for, and then you do a disservice to them and you give us a dark fate treatment, then that's that's when a fan base turns really toxic. You know, and and so I, I mean, I think it probably would have made a great amount of money the opening weekend, and then it would have fallen off and had no legs after that, and probably would have borderline killed the franchise, in my opinion. 
this whole thing is is bringing up a lot of interesting thoughts for me in terms of the studio and the way that it treats the IP. And Jamie, you're absolutely right that like money has been, you know, is primarily motivating basically all of the decisions that studios make at any given time. And even a studio like A24, right? Or Neon, like these amazing, you know, like independent film distributors that we love and that make these incredible movies that are pushing boundaries, they're doing it for financial reasons. Like they have a niche in the market and they have streaming services to promote and they want to make money. Like this is a, a universal thing because, you know, filmmaking is tied to capitalism for better or for worse, usually for worse. That also is why Alien 3 is so special to me, I think, because, and it's not because Fox is being brave. And I, I, I want to, you know, throw that out there. It's not like Fox was like, let's, let's tell a brave story. Fox was like in some distant basement somewhere, snorting lines of coke off a table and being like, I guess we'll just let them just do the script. I mean, like Perry, you know, you, you bring up a great point. The Vincent Ward script, which anybody who's heard my, you know, feature length retelling of it will know is is my favorite unfinished, unfilmed script of all time. You have basically already seen it because it's basically what Alien 3 is in the form that we get it. I mean, the Guyler Hill Fincher you know, subsequent rewrites happened after sets were already being built for the Ward script. So it the finished Ward script is very similar to what we actually get with Alien 3, except for some story changes and some setting changes. Um, what's so crazy, though, is that, like, they had this chance where they went back and they were like, hold on, hold production for a second. Like, we're going to make some major story changes. And they didn't change, like, the one thing that was, like, such a big deal, which is that the Ward script kills off, you know, these two characters that everybody pretty much universally was hoping were going to be in this third movie. And Fox just, like... I don't know, maybe missed it or something. It's it's like, it's it's crazy to me that that ended up happening and brilliant that it ended up happening, in my opinion, because it really set up this beautiful template for Alien, which is like, it is not as as mainstream Hollywood as uh, as a lot of other IPs are. Like, you know, like, you know, if, if Han had really been killed, if the, if the, you know, instead of the carbonite preserving him or whatever, like that would have been a hugely brave thing for the studio to have allowed to happen. They didn't because, you know, it was a financial decision. So this this all being said, I, I think what's it's hard to talk about what would have happened had Alien 3 not been made without talking about what would have happened had 20th Century Fox, as it was known at the time, you know, been paying better attention to it and wanting to shepherd it into more financial success. And I don't know why they didn't. I also think it's hard to have this conversation without calling attention to the fact that we really basically almost got the Gibson film. Like that was really all systems go. They had financial backing for it. Gibson was on board. You know, it was, that was really moving towards production. Um, and I think if that writer strike hadn't have happened, I, I think that's what we would have gotten. And we would have gotten basically an aliens sequel that would have flopped to a male protagonist and then brought us, as Christian said, to a fourth film that would have had Ripley coming back, you know, guns blazing literally, which I think would have been, a pretty fucking epic way to end her story and completely antithetical to what alien three, three presents us with, which is the actual opposite of that. Like alien three ends, ends it with this quiet, you know, him in a dark church somewhere. Whereas the Gibson script is like exploding people and socialist spaceships and crazy ideas that are brilliant and layered and really interesting. I have to say the Gibson script has grown on me more than most scripts have grown on me. It could be because now I've read the comics and the audio book or the, you know, the audio drama and the, and the novelization that came out in 2021. So like I've become better acquainted with it over time. I think the Gibson script is kind of brilliant. 
Um, and I think it's, 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 it's the reason I'm talking about it so much is because that was as close as we came to actually seeing this what if thing become real. So it's interesting to kind of think about how different it would look. You know, the company politics are extremely different, as you know, as you all know in the Gibson script, because that really focuses more on this idea of capitalism versus socialism and like this very 1980s kind of Cold War era political sphere being transposed into this like, you know, space race. Again, lots of really interesting ideas in that that are very different from this more straightforward company espionage whistleblower scenario. But again, it's this huge hanging what if. And I think part of the beauty of these conversations is it allows us to step outside of ourselves for a moment and to take, to stop taking for granted the things that we have been given and the things that we have grown up with and to start thinking about like, you know, what if? I, I think it's a fascinating conversation. And also, I know we're not done yet, but you listening to this, we we really want you to write in, comment on, you know, our social media and send us emails perfectorganismpodcast at gmail.com with some of your what if ideas too, because I always find people's ideas are so freaking interesting for this, you know, stuff. And um, last thing I'll say before I finish this and yet another meandering point that I'm trying to make tonight, uh, this idea of a dream sequence, like Jamie was mentioning, this kind of, the you know, Wizard of Ozification idea that like you kind of wake up and like, oh, what was really happening? The Ward script starts with a dream sequence and dreams are woven all throughout that script frequently. And there are these really fascinating dreams where Ripley is like a young girl standing in a cornfield, really interesting imagery. And dreams, you know, also have been written in many of the expanded universe. There's, you know, famously uh, in one of the comic runs, there's a queen who's able to communicate via dreams and she can control people's thoughts and, you know, via the realm of dreams. There is like, you know, some some degree of precedent for dreams being a storytelling device in the Alien saga. I mean, Aliens has a dream in the beginning of it. That's a great, great example right there. Like there's definitely precedent. And that's why I think, although it's kind of in some ways a ridiculous idea from like a sort of a plot standpoint, like it could potentially have worked. I could 100% see that having been, I mean, I, Christian, I think your idea about the, you know, the warring, like it was, that blew my mind for a minute, having, you know, people with sort of implanted dream sequences uh, where the company was trying to like mine information from them. I mean, that's fucking cool. Like I would have, I would have loved to see William Gibson write a script like that. That would have been I mean, that, that's that's basically a neuromancer. I think that would have been so cool. I'm super into the dream idea because I always enjoy dream imagery. And I feel like Giger, uh, did he not say that he got a lot of his his imagery for straight from his dreams and his, you know, obviously his subconscious and stuff. So I think if they could tap into that, might get a little more of that, uh, you know, subliminal subconscious horror that we're all seeking from Alien. Gibson had an idea in a short story they wrote where the idea was if you take your smartest people and you put them all together they'll come up with even more brilliant ideas not a, you know not a huge leap but anyway um, my idea would be that anyone who's come into contact with aliens maybe has some sort of a mental 
connection enough to have like a, a hint of where the aliens come from. And so the company would have gathered together all these various people who've had interactions with the aliens, hoping that by putting them together, they could learn the true source of where the aliens come from. So all the characters from the from Aliens Re and Resurrection would have had their own stories of how they had interacted with and survived the aliens that we could learn about and we could see their dreams. And then, of course, they all rise up and defeat the corporation or dis destroy the alien homeworld, whatever it has to be. But that was kind of the idea. Next month, Marvel Comics is releasing Alien What If? And it is absolutely this idea. And Perry has the summary pulled up. Published date says March 6th. So in a couple weeks, but it says, what if Carter Burke had lived? For years, fans of James Cameron's legendary aliens questioned whether Carter Burke, a company man more hateable than the Xenos themselves, had actually survived the traumatic events on the terraforming colony Hadley's Hope. Now the actor behind the beloved villain, Paul Reiser, joins his son, uh, Leon, and the star-studded team of writers and producers, um, Adam F. Goldberg, uh, Brian Volk-Weiss, and Hans Rodianoff. I hope I'm saying that all right. For a journey back to Hadley's Hope and the twisted escape of a man who should have died. I like this. I like this. I actually think this would be great. A good what if comic for Ripley and aliens. I think that they could really explore that. And I'd be totally fine with it in a comic book form to see what they could have done with that character if she wouldn't have died. I mean, I think we get some of the greatest so story, side stories, side anthologies and all of that from the comics from dark horse i mean i know i know we had just talked about dead orbit um not too long ago like that one-off story is amazing um but even like this too this this whole what if idea is 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 just really cool and it's and it's great that they're doing it in comic form i mean i feel like there's so much more what's the word like a runway right for for them to really fantasize more about it and just add in as much as much lore as they want they could completely go off the rails if they wanted to but it's a comic so it's like kind of fun in that sense um but it also can bring back maybe some cool ideas uh that garner like just much more closely to the to the original storyline and in this case original characters yeah, I mean, I think uh, in large part, this is a, a fascinating conversation. And we are, I feel like we as fans and the studio and maybe larger fandom are at this place of what if. We're about to get this film that's essentially what if, what happened between Alien and Aliens. And we're about to get this new show next year that is also what if, that's now canon, that will be canon when it... So this is an interesting place to be. And I think it's one of the hardest places to be as a fan, to come up with a story that's not regurgitating what we've seen before. So I, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation and it has been all over, but it's gotten my own creative juices going, you know, like, well, how do you, how do we make this world better? How do we continue this world and make it as interesting as Alien, as interesting as Alien and Alien 3? Because really, those three are the gauntlets. They made three incredible films, third one by accident. It shouldn't have been made, and it was made. So that's that's essentially the, the litmus test for going forward. 
Yeah, I was actually going to make the exact same point, so I don't have to say it again, but we are actually experiencing a what-if moment as a fandom right now, and that is both terrifying and exhilarating. And, you know, this is also a rare opportunity where we will listen back to this in a year or a year and a half from now, and we will hear ourselves in this space, and we will know then things that we could not know at this point, and we will have the same feeling of, like, how do you unlearn something that's become, you know, part of yourself, that's become part of your lived experience, and uh, but now, but we, that hasn't happened yet. And so here we are in a little letter to our future selves, uh, you know, like hoping for some really exciting and scary shit to come down the pipeline. So thank you everybody for listening. And uh, we'll be back maybe with another What If episode. We'll see. And uh, lots more to talk about soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank Thanks, you, everyone. Bye. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. To find out more information about Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please go to www.perfectorganism.com. If you would like to support the show, please go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.